Good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I have somebody on the show today by the name of Vanessa Shaw. And I met Vanessa out in San Diego at a conference that we were both, she was a speaker, I was just an influencer judge, but she was amazing. And we've been working on getting her on my show because of her crazy busy schedule. Um, I want to welcome Vanessa to the show. Vanessa, welcome. Hey, Ken. It's so fun to finally be here. I know. It's I know. Some time to get this on the, on the calendar. I know. I am so excited, though. You... Um, I, you know, we hung out just for a little bit out in, in San Diego and, and chatted, and I just thought you were brilliant. And I love your energy, and I love what you have to talk about, which we're going to get to what you talk about in your in your your talks, your speeches and stuff. Um, but I created this show a couple years ago to help people get unstuck in life. And I think that people get stuck and stay stuck. And I believe that we can heal each other by hearing each other's stories. So that's what this is about. So let's start with where you were born and raised. You kind of have a Southern draw a little bit. I know, right? <laughs> Texas, Texas girl. <laughs> There's all the funny story about that one, but we'll come back to that. So I was born in uh, Kent, UK. Quite a few years ago, I grew up in, in the UK. Um, that's the southeast, kind of like the Garden of England, it's known as. I was, I was sharing with you before we went live as well. I've got three brothers. I'm the only daughter of you know, four kids, three boys. Um, no, they've never tre treated me like a princess. Because everyone, no? oh, it must be wonderful to have three brothers. You must be so well looked after. Yeah, I, I've learned a lot about being teased, right? Yeah. Life. So yeah. So you you grew so I had a lady on the other day that is from the northern part of UK. Mm -hmm. She lives there still and she's she said you can tell by my accent. When no, no I can't. You yeah. sound like you're from the UK. What are you talking about? But she said there's a pretty big difference in 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 accents, I guess. There is, there is a massive difference in accent. Really? So, and to the point, I mean, we, we've got many, many different accents across the UK. Um, and to the point that some of some, when they're very northern and thick accents, yeah. I have a challenge to understand them. Are you kidding me? Yes. I mean, kind of, I even have to like tune in. So, you know, and I'm sure that probably have to do that with me as well. Who knows? But no, we have a, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. So, so you were, is that where you went to school your whole life? And um, yeah, so I kind of, I went to school. Um, I went to school in the UK, actually went to uh, Bristol, which is where I studied languages. And honestly, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of like, like let's kind of be real. I was not one of these people that had a clear path, knew what I wanted to do. I was the first one in my family to actually go to uni. So that kind of like felt like the big deal at the time. Um, I know yeah. you call it college over here. It's the same same thing. Yeah. Um, and I studied languages. And frankly, I studied languages because it's all I knew to do. I'd been pretty good at French um, in school. And so it felt like a normal just progression of that. Um, I went and did French, Spanish and economics at Bristol. Okay. Um, and then I still didn't know what to do. 
Uh, wow. I, at one point, I was like, do I want to be an interpreter? I knew I didn't want to be a translator, uh, which is kind of very, you know, more heady and on paper and everything. Yeah. But interpreting is when you're kind of, you know, interpreting, you know, live conversations and kind of translating them at the same time. Yeah. And that was something I was intrigued with. But it's like, mm, it really wasn't grabbing my attention enough. For, for French, you mean? It would have been for French or Spanish okay. at that time. Um, and I'd already had an experience. Because I'd studied languages, I had spent a year abroad. So my third year of degree, I did a four-year program. I had to spend six months in France and six months in Spain. Um, wow. And obviously I had to, you know, my languages really improved during that time. You know, I had to have kind of little part-time jobs and things and kind of, you know, look after myself in the, in the local culture. And that was really more than the languages, I think, is I got the bug for travel. It was just living in different cultures, living outside of my own country. Mm -hmm. I knew at that point that I was like, hmm, I don't see myself staying in the UK. Wow. And I had no idea. Let's, I mean, I'm probably at this point, I'm thinking like I'm 19, 20, something like that, probably 20. And mm. I really distinctly remember that insight of, I just don't think I'm going to be staying in the UK. And honestly didn't know, though, again, what it would look like. Um, I went to work in London after graduating for six months. My big brother has been like a real kind of big cheese. I mean, he'd probably go, don't say that about me. but. <laughs> He's been a big deal up in the city of London. And I, you know, just had a lot of admiration for him and everything that he did um, and watching him build his career. And I, I really thought I wanted to follow in his footsteps. He was kind of like my, the, the role model I was following. Yeah. I went to work in London for six months and I was miserable. Um, really? I, I kind of got into a, you know, an insurance company. I, yeah, long story short, I was very unhappy my brother was kind of trying to help mentor and coach me at the time because he could see that I was just like in too deep and I wasn't getting the help I needed internally. Was it the was it in the same company? No, it was not. But oh. it was the same kind of market that he was operating in. So he he kind yeah. of knew a lot to be able to help me. And back then he'd kind of go, they're setting you up for failure here. Like they're giving you the difficult accounts. They shouldn't be sending you out doing this stuff. And of course I was completely like, it's me. There's something wrong with me. Right. 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 It's got to be me. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's like, you should be given a lot more guidance here. Anyway, long story short, um, I was approached through a company that had um, kind of got connections with the uni that I went to. And they were very interested in finding a candidate that had gone through my language program, because at the time it was, it was considered a very modern way to learn languages. And we actually, you know, we learned computer skills back then, like in the in the first days of having yeah. computers. And it's like, you know, I mean, now it's totally normal, but we would consider like, you know, the innovative ones. <laughs> right. And, uh, ended up being contacted by a company that was looking for, had two positions to fill. One was in the south of England and it was a marketing position. The second position was in Geneva, Switzerland, and it was actually to work for a UN organization. Uh, and I knew nothing about that world. Um, and I just- You're like, I'm on the way. I'm on the way, right? <laughs> All I remember thinking was that it was like, that desire that I had had inside of me a couple of years earlier of I, I don't see myself living in the UK and I want out and I want an adventure. All of a sudden it was like, oh, my God, like this is the opportunity. Wow. And um, they uh, they offered me a three-month contract 
I immediately handed in my notice and it was like, I don't need anything more than that to go. It was just like, I just actually needed a ticket out of my misery because I was so miserable. Oh my gosh. A three month contract that was actually kicking off in like the January. This is all going back to January 91 is actually when all of this happened. And I had never been to Geneva, Switzerland in my life. I knew nothing about this organization. And I told my boyfriend at the time, we'd been together all through kind of college. He was finish, finishing up his degree. I yeah. was like, kind of, don't worry, I'll be back. <laughs> you know, oh, Lord. Don't pursue, like, I just need to get this out of my system for a few months. Mm. And I drove from the UK to Switzerland in my English car. And for those people that don't understand how we kind of drive in England and Europe, this meant that I was doing everything back to front. The minute I got onto mainland Europe, everything's back to front. Like we drive in the States, but England we don't. So it was a, a wild experience. What What do you mean back to front? What well, I don't so know. We drive on the left-hand side of the road. Right, in, right. In the UK. Oh, and the rest of Europe doesn't? No. Oh. Yeah. I so, didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. You can tell I've never been there, right? Exactly. <laughs> and it means that the steering wheel is on the other side of the car. So, yeah, that well, I knew. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's like everything's the other way around. So how was that? I, I wonder how that, like, how was that? For wild. Wild. And I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, there's actually funnier stories, which I could, like, you know, like, again, this is about like breakthroughs, right? Yeah, right. I'm not directionally challenged in life and business, I might add. It's kind of right. a skill that I've got. However, on roads and in space, I am definitely directionally challenged. Yeah. And there is a story of me trying to navigate at one point, you know, to, in fact, I was trying to get up to some mountains to go meet with one of my brothers who was there on a ski holiday and he said hey come on over and i just like looked at a map because you didn't have google maps back no then. right no Thank goodness the gps now it's like saved my life i know <laughs> but i kind of look at the map and think yeah i can take that shortcut and go through this small passage and don't realize that i'm literally trying to go over mountain passes in the alps um, <laughs> no and like completely shut down in so, a, in an in a an english car you said Oh. And and those are a little bit smaller, right? They're oh my gosh, this car was tiny. I mean, oh. it was probably yeah, a little bit bigger than like a Mini Cooper. I mean, it was, it was tiny. I was still in my car, and and again, my brother was almost ready to send out because we didn't have cell phones or anything. Like, I think he was almost ready to like kept, like go. Oh gosh, like we need to get some like bring some people in to find my sister who's lost. I ended up arriving something like eight hours oh my lord have mercy lost in the swiss alps lost in the swiss alps i mean that is a true story that my husband still likes to tell people about vanessa's anyway we digress adventures adventures in the swiss alps adventures in the swiss alps in an english car not being able to read a map directionally challenged it's like don't like i'd be a really bad tour guide (laughs) my thing so anyway, I, you know, and do land in Switzerland. Um, it's quite actually an interesting story around this as well, is I land in Switzerland, um, go to work. It's a very different environment. It's, you know, working in the UN, massive organizations. 
but you know it's massive bureaucracy as well and I've been used to working in business in London in very you know in a very dynamic market and having a lot of help and secretaries and other people to kind of help me do things and all of a sudden I find myself in this very kind of foreign environment not knowing really what to do very little guidance and actually finding out that I had been really recruited illegally. Oh, no. Yeah, and I really shouldn't have been there. Um, now, I had just been so keen to, like, get out of my situation that I I hadn't sort of said, like, well, where's a contract? And da, 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 da. I'd just done everything on a verbal promise. Um, and oh, my gosh. And the kind of, like, I'll figure this. Well, this will be fine. I'll figure this out. And I get there and the gentleman that had recruited me, yeah, he had gone outside of the system. He was obviously a bit of a rule breaker and was like, I want what I want. And basically his plan was to present me as a fait accompli um, and just kind What's of- What's that? Oh, sorry, you know, like she's here now. Oh. Like, let's just, you know, like she's here now. Let's just do the paperwork and move on, right? Oh my gosh. And the organization was like, oh, no, we're going to make an example of you, mister, because this isn't the way you should do it. But of course, I was the one that got caught in the middle. And um, for a few weeks there, it was basically, you need to leave. You need to get back to the UK. You're, you don't, you're not allowed to be here. You have no right to be in Switzerland. Oh, my gosh. So here I was again, and we're talking, I mean, I was young, like we're talking, I, it was, I think I was 22 at the time. So, you know, you don't have that life experience. Um, anyway, long story short, the deal, deal was made for me to stay. Um, but the penalty for me staying was we're going to bring you in at the very, very lowest level in this organization um, and kind of like you'll take it or leave it. Oh my God. So, uh, really tough start. Now, the truth is, financially, what the offer was for where I was at was twice what I was getting in London. Oh. So, so you're like, okay, I'm in. I'll take so the kind of like, on paper. Financially, it was a much better deal. And of yeah. course, now I have my new life and this foreign thing that I wanted to pursue and all the rest of it. But, you know, technically, from a kind of like titles perspective and the hierarchy within the organization, yeah, I was pretty much like the male girl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What now? In What is the language in Switzerland? Is it English? So in, in Geneva, Switzerland, where I was in the United Nations, the three official languages are French, Spanish and English. Okay. My, you know, my wife, my wife was a uh, language major in, in college. Or, oh, wow. Or uni. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, she was, she, and she studied French in France. She, she did a thing in, in, in yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She get she could she's on here by the way. She could type something and type something in French and see if you guys. I love I love it, and she never speaks French around me. I'm like, speak French. I love it, I, although I don't understand it. It says say something in French, and I'm kind of weird. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So you know, long story short is I ended up staying. That three month contract got extended. Got extended. I ended up staying. I did switch around. You know, different positions. Um, kind of made my you know made my way slowly up through some of the grades and broke through some of that bureaucracy. Yeah. Um, 
And I actually ended up meeting my husband, uh, my now husband in Geneva, Switzerland. Really? So we've been, we are about to, actually next month, we are about to celebrate 25 years of being oh. married. Um, and both of our kids, Will and Olivia, were then both born um, in Switzerland. So they grew up there. They went to schools there. They were, you know, bilingual. I think both of them kind of lost a lot of their, their French right now that we live in the States. Wow. And, you know, I had this whole life, this whole other kind of life um, of actually being a stay-at-home mom. We decided that, it, you know, Robert's career was really taking off. He was working globally, traveling a lot. Um, again, I wasn't happy, Ken, like with, in what I was doing. Uh, yes, the pay was good, but I was very, very unfulfilled. And, you know, he was traveling so much that for me, really what I wanted to do was stay at home and have kids. That was my, that was really my dream. It was like, I want to be married. I want to bring up my kids. I want to be yeah. a part of them growing up. And, you know, I gave up work and I stayed as a stay at home mom, supporting Robert in his career and bringing up kids for 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Look, there's. Vanessa, comment allez-vous? Je vais très bien, merci, Jill. <laughs> I just love that. I got to get you guys on a call together. So, so, so the, um, where was now Robert is your husband, right? So Robert is my husband. Where's he from? So interestingly is he's actually from California originally, Sacramento. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he has no accent. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, he lived in Europe, though, for so many years that a lot of people actually do say to him, where are you from? Because he's kind of this very neutral accent. And he has always liked uh, dating and obviously marrying British women afterwards as well. And so he uses a lot of English phrases. Oh, does he really? It kind of gets people, you know, confused. They're like, where are you guys from? Mix things up and kind of just say odd things. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so we, as I say, we had this whole you know life in Switzerland, and then ten years into me being stay-at-home mom was when I was like, I know full well it's time for me to pursue something. Hey Dave, happy Friday! Um, but for me to pursue something, and by that point, the, the truth is, I felt like I was completely unemployable. I mean, I, I had not had any kind of career. Um, per se, nothing that I had been excited about, nothing that had really built my confidence. I was super clear that I did not want to go back to work in the UN. That was that would have been like a you know, massive backward step. And equally so, living in Switzerland as kind of like a spouse, by this time I'm kind of my status is like spouse of a diplomat, which basically means you are here because your husband works here and you've got rights linked to that, but you don't have any. Like there's no, there was no way for me to get out into the Swiss market and get a job. I mean, again, unless you have some very, very special skills, like that wasn't an option. Um, And so, you know, I was really banging my head against a brick wall in terms of like, what the heck am I gonna do? And this is probably my kind of one of my first like breakdown moments and moments of vulnerability where I went back up to the UK, baby in arms, my second daughter, oh. the second child, Liv, was she was probably only about three or four months old. And I just had this burning desire inside to kind of do something and start pursuing something that I didn't know what. Yeah. 
And I met with two of my girlfriends who could well be watching this, Amanda and Helen, and they have been girlfriends from uni days. And these are just two amazing women and I absolutely love them dearly. And um, I remember them kind of sitting me down and I was you know, close to tears going, I don't know what to do. And you girls have been like real career women and you crushed it. And you know, I was like the first one to get married and have kids and I was on a very different path. And I think it was Amanda that actually turned around to me. She said, but Vanessa, you should be a life coach. Mm. And I was like, mm. and I was kind of too embarrassed at the time. I mean, if she's watching this, I'm sure we've, we've, we've told this story many times over <laughs> many glasses of wine. I think I was at the time almost too embarrassed to say, what's the life coach? <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I'd never even heard of the term. I mean, remember, I'm in Switzerland and we rather, like, you know, we were further behind a lot of those curves and those things were had happened a lot earlier in the states and and well, uh, so, so is it is it is, i have a question about switzerland i mean spending all those years there do you find yourself wanting to be neutral on most subjects <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Where did that come from? I don't even know where that, where did that saying come from? I'm, I'm going to be Switzerland and stay. I, know, I know somebody else told me that one of my clients said, my husband calls me Switzerland. I'm very, I tend to be very neutral <laughs> on things yeah. from all sides. And I said, that's not always a bad thing. It's, yeah. Right. Right. It's not always a bad thing. Yeah. I, think, you know, I mean, to be quite honest, I think what happens is we, we live so internationally yeah. um, and so, you know, multilingual, multi-ethnic, you know, multinational. I mean, it's like you just, it, it's just the norm that you are working and living with so much diversity. Um, and I find that that is, you know, the piece that keeps you very open, like very open and curious around how other people work. And your, your friends are from all over and you, you know, kind of traveling the world becomes just the norm. Right. It's not. Yeah. Oh, yes, we're just going up to the mountains for for a vacation, you know, that like the whole world just opens up because you're, you know, you're meeting at one point. I was working, you know, with a lot of Africans that, you know, at another point in my career, I was actually, um, you know, part of a military air cell putting planes into Sarajevo in the middle of the war zone. At another point, I was working with South Americans and refugees, you know, so um, and then contacts with Asia. So I think, you know, again, it's uh, for me, I loved that experience. And probably it's one one of the things that I actually I really miss is that level of kind of cultural diversity um, and, and Swiss cowbells. That's the other thing. Yeah. I miss. <laughs> well, for, for the record, you're the only person that I've ever known in my entire life that that worked at the UN. So there you go. It'll claim to that. That's that's kind of cool. I don't know anybody else that's ever been to the UN, let alone work there. So that's pretty cool. So so your your friend tells you you need to be a life coach, and and that sounded like a brilliant idea. Yeah, she was kind of like yeah, exactly. She was like. And I was like, oh, tell me more about that. Because I'm thinking, you know, she's like, well, um, you were always the one at uni, like when our boyfriends ditched us and we were upset or we were, you know, it was kind of like we were the ones that drunk too much. Yeah. You know, or there was drama in the house that we were living in. She said, you were always the one that we, we came to. Like we, were, we would sit on your bed and, you know, you always had something that was good to share. Wow. I was kind of like, well... 
like, like that's a thing, you know, I was really like, oh, that's a, that's a thing. And so I went back to Switzerland and just had this idea of a life coach and of course started to research. And I was like, wow, yeah. this is a thing. There's a whole thing out there with this. Um, of course, came into this massive new world. Yeah. Really where my, this, the journey of what I'm doing today started, I, I mm -hmm. found a, a life coaching program, interestingly enough, back in the UK, uh, mm -hmm. back then was just not developed enough in terms of training programs. Right. And so I found something that I really felt was going to be a really good fit. Um, and I guess it probably over about a year's period. Um, and mm -hmm. then there's Glenn Morshower. There you go. I've played men who worked at the UN. Yeah, people in we could find a lot of people in common. Yeah. Um, and um, so yeah, I trained as a as a life coach back in the UK. Brought kind of you know back, back to Switzerland, um, and then it was time to get clients right and actually start to get this thing off the ground. So yeah. I you know announced to people that I was setting up my own business. Actually, in the early days, kind of like to fund me actually even paying for my life coaching program because it was a significant chunk of cash back then yeah and i didn't want to ask robert for the money this is you know totally true story because i didn't know if that was truly my thing um especially since i hadn't had a lot of success career-wise before in, in my own mind yeah um and so i was very clear on i'm going to fund this for myself um and so i actually started working kind of unofficially as a weight loss consultant, it was one of the things I knew how to do. I knew a lot, you know, just kind of natural knowledge about keeping in shape and losing pounds after having babies. And I did a very simple kind of online program to be a weight loss consultant and uh, came out of that like with pretty high marks. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I guess I've, I've passed this enough to, to tell people I can help them. And that was how I funded my life coaching program by just saying to women, hey, I can help you lose weight. Um, I'm launching this thing. And that was the start of my, my business. And it started on the playground at my kids' school because the only people I knew were other mums that were dropping off kids because that was my world, right? And I just announced it to a few mums. And they were like, hey, sign me up. I'm, I'm up for that. <laughs> for the weight loss thing. For the weight loss. So, so you didn't yeah. walk out and go, hey, I noticed that you're fat and you might need to lose some weight. I know. <laughs> Sensitive. Yeah, I noticed you might. Yeah, no. no Your no, jeans no. appear to be a lot tighter these days. Do you... yeah, no, 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 no. No, it's no. just like, listen, I'm doing this thing. You know, I, yeah. you know, I know what it's like as a woman. It's been important for me to shed pounds and kind of get a handle on it. And, um, you know, oh, man. <laughs> my hair donor but anyway so we won't say yes to it he's 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 a redhead that's lost all of his hair ah, okay glenn is the guy that played on 24 that i was telling you about before the show oh, okay glenn yeah you and yeah. i were supposed to connect apparently so yeah good to see you here um so yeah that was really how it got started um, then all of a sudden, you know, I've got my life coaching, you know, certificate wow. and things actually took off very, very rapidly. So I was just kind of gung ho, like I'm doing this, um, kind of let's get, let's get clients and get this thing moving. And one of my weight loss clients, um, 
I was working with happened to be at her house one morning, you know, doing a session and her husband was kind of overhearing conversations and said to me, hey, kind of love your energy, love your passion, hear the, you know, the work that you've been doing with my wife, you know, would you be up for working with me for a bit? And he wasn't in bad shape at all. I was kind of like, what do you want to work on? He's like, well, I've got a very stressful job and I travel a lot and I just want to make sure I'm keeping things in check and, you know, would you be up for that? So, of course, it's like ding, 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 like there's opportunity, something new. And I was like, yeah, sure, like let's chat and put something together. Um, we would do kind of walk and talk sessions um, on a Monday morning before he would then fly off all around Europe and do his job, which at the time I really didn't know exactly what he was doing because, you know, we were talking about other things. And kind of probably about six months into these walk and talk sessions, he says to me, listen, I uh, think I've got a whole load of people in the organization that really need to know about you and I want to bring you in. And I want to, you know, I want you to come in and present and kind of make a pitch. I've got an idea, but it's for you to like come in and make the pitch and see if we can get some uptake. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this could be an internal coaching program. At which point I actually kind of went, mm, not, ready, not ready, not ready. You must have the wrong person. Don't you know I'm a housewife? And I don't really do this. Did you say that? No, I, this oh. is my whole internal dialogue. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I definitely was fumbling though. I mean, there was there was definitely a, he was like, you're, you're kind of a hesitant. I mean, he could tell I was actually like internally processing this. Yeah. And he was like, well, were you still in Switzerland at this point? I was in Switzerland. Yeah. Now, were you going? Because you said this was back, like, it wasn't before the internet, right? So now we are. Da, 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 we are now. No, we are now around two thousand and six. Something. Okay. Like that. Okay. So yeah. the internet was still fairly young. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it was. I mean, we didn't have all of those, you know, I mean, all of the tools that we have now. Right, right. I barely had a cell phone or if right. I didn't a brick, you know. Yeah, I remember. So, yeah, cut a long story short. I mean, he gave me, he said, well, you can either come in now or here. There was like six months apart. And I was like, I think I need to come in sooner and do this presentation because yeah. otherwise I'm going to procrastinate so much. Yeah. Um, and the deal was I flew up to London and was presenting to a group of, uh, gosh, probably about 50 partners in a major law firm. And oh, wow. it, was a, it was really a big deal. To say I was terrified is really the understatement of the year. I, I still to this day don't know how I got through that without wow. throwing up and running out the room. <laughs> um, I had to put together a PowerPoint presentation. I had never done something like that in my life. I didn't even know how clickers worked. I mean, the technology. Wow. And my husband, bless his heart, I mean, he had to coach me and kind of put together a PowerPoint. And by the way, still still does a lot of my presentations to this day. <laughs> does he? Not my thing. That's <laughs> awesome. In terms of slides and everything. That's the, yeah. a, Go know, Robert. Go Robert, yeah. <laughs> and basically, you know, from there, I landed, you know, a really nice retainer. I mean, we cut, you know, I pitched a pilot program for an internal coaching program. And back then it was all about peak performance and it was about keeping, you know, the top executives, the top partners in that law firm in great shape. 
Um, and that did mean, you know, physically, it was, you know, a lot of them were dealing with a lot of stress. They were putting on weight, not eating well, you know, perhaps drinking too much, not sleeping well, traveling too much. So a lot of it was kind of based on health and well-being, which right. was really my big thing back in those days. I mean, health and well-being was really what I was, you know, developing. So that, was that was that was that part was that the main part of your your life coaching program? Also, it was going to be yes because okay. I've gone through this door of you know weight loss, and now we were getting into more well-being and with right. women kind of self-esteem and confidence and kind of a, you know all of those things around that. Yeah, and then on on actually on the weight loss side back in Switzerland, I'd actually partnered. I'd met another woman. Um, an English GP, again, delightful woman who wasn't able to get her license at the time to practice medicine in Switzerland because they just had these, you know, tight quotas and basically she just couldn't practice. So she was looking for another way to work. And so, yeah, I actually partnered. Her name is Michelle, Dr. Michelle. We, we worked together for a long time, kind of putting together weight loss programs and working with women. Um, and so I kind of had that little part of my business that was going on back in Switzerland. And now all of a sudden I've got a corporate contract that's gaining momentum that's all around Europe. I mean, I basically had about 10 different regional offices, which meant 10 different countries in Europe where I had clients that I was working with. And was this the law firm? This was the law firm. Wow. So yeah, so we put together, you know, a pilot program to really see six months, you know, what the uptake would be, what the results would be. Um, a lot of the partners then became, you know, very supportive of it. You know, they were like, wow, this is just, and it was evolving. It became so much more than kind of health and well-being because they were saying, you know, my work is being affected. I'm, I'm becoming a better leader. I'm doing so much better with my teams. I'm, I'm thinking differently. I mean, it, it just started to That's like, awesome. really gain momentum. And so I then spent the next few years just really working pretty much exclusively with them, um, developing programs. We work, worked multiple levels within the organization and career development programs. Good morning, Bob. Uh, career development programs. And it, yeah, it was just, it was a thing that kept me very busy um, and frankly learning a ton. I mean, that was the thing. It was, I think the privilege of when you coach people and like really smart people, yeah. you learn so much from them. So yeah. whilst they felt yeah. that there was a massive benefit, the truth is I was really learning a ton about business, a ton about how things worked. And it was a massive gap in my own education. Remember, I'm the housewife, right, that stayed at home. Yeah. I wasn't, I had never been exposed to that. I'd never worked in a corporate arena. So now it was a different way for me to learn about some of those things, kind of being on the inside. And, and, and they had, you said they had offices all over Europe. Yes. So you're traveling all over Europe. So this is a really interesting um, kind of, and I think really important, kind of one of the lessons I actually teach our own clients because what was interesting is I go in there, I pitch, I, um, you know, didn't throw up, didn't run out the room, actually <laughs> land, right? Like, okay, let's, let's move ahead. So I was like, yeah. okay, now I've, got to, now I've got to deliver. And the next part of that was, well, now I've actually got to negotiate my terms, right? And by mm. oh, and I'm working with a major law firm. It's like, oh, I hadn't thought of all those those next steps. Yeah. So I hire myself an attorney back in Switzerland because I'm like, 
I need to have my act together here, right? You know, you're not going to wing this on the back of a napkin, right? A major with a major company, right? And um, and then it was about you know presenting my terms, and there were a couple. There were two things that were really bothering me, really bothering me. What the heck do I charge for this? Number one, right? <laughs> yeah. What the heck do I charge? Yeah. Like, you know, I've got to go in and negotiate here, major organization. Like, right. what do I want? What do I really believe this is worth? And then my second big concern was the whole Europe thing. Um, I remember my kids were young. I mean, I was yeah. still, I was still doing that. You know, my husband still had a global career. I had young kids at home. I was juggling now multiple, multiple balls and you know, spinning plates and yeah. probably they were falling as well. Sure. And um, and I was like, I don't think I like the idea of me traveling solo around Europe. And it was Eastern Europe as well, which is just was very unfamiliar territory. For me at the time, you know, Poland and Hungary and Czech Republic and Romania. I mean, all these places that, you know, um, I had never uh, gone to. Thank you, Bob. I really appreciate that. Yeah, Bob's um, awesome. So sweet. Thank you. Um, and so with that, I was I started to tap into my own inner wisdom of it was like, hey, there's a red flag. There's something I'm concerned about here and I need to pay attention. And then like my own inner wisdom of what do I really want here? Like what what do I want that really makes sense to me? And right. not to be overwhelmed and intimidated because I was feeling very intimidated. I was Feeling, you know, imposter syndrome was massive for me back then as well. And I can't I, imagine how intimidating that would be. I, it was, I was so intimidated. Yeah. Really, I really was. And I knew that I was going to be on a back foot. So it was like, I've got to not, you know, kind of let this intimidation lead me and basically kind of give in to anything, yeah. that, you know, they want and come out clean with what do I want. And I'd done a little bit of research, um, you know, through endeavors that they'd had in their organization before and had discovered that they'd had coach. You know, I wasn't the first coach. <laughs> I love that imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah. uh, side note, Joe, I ended up naming my imposter at one point and we called him Freddie the Fraud. We just had to be friends. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's still around sometimes, but I'm like, Freddie, back in the cage. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that strategy that works. Yeah, it worked for me. That's um, awesome. So with that, so I did a bit, a bit of research. Found out I wasn't the only kind of coaching endeavor that they'd had back then in their organization. But what had happened is they'd be they'd been working with some executive coaches. They would have flown in the coach to you know, be in wherever Poland, blah blah blah, right? Yeah, and then the attorney. My lawyer, who we would call them back in, in, in Europe, would get really busy on a case or an emergency. And all of a sudden, there's an executive coach like waiting in the hallway to go in and, you know, do their thing or their workshop or their sessions. And they would be like, there's no way we can't we can't speak with you today. Like there's we've got to jump. There's a massive thing on the table. Oh, geez. Oh, ooh, this like this really is not sounding attractive now because the last thing I want to do is a travel on my own, be in strange places. Yeah. Think going there to work and they were literally then almost having to hire people to give them like a tour around the city for the day before they were getting them on a plane back to where they needed to go to i was like this doesn't make sense wow so with that i came up with the 
let's think of a different way that we can make this work that really is a win-win. And I was like, they need flexibility in, in scheduling coaching sessions. They need to have that level of flexibility. I can provide that level of flexibility if I can coach from my home base, but not mm. traveling. And I was like, if they end up having to, you know, reschedule, make changes last minute, and I'm basically yeah. working from home, well, so be it, right? I can do something else. Right. And so I ended up pitching the pitch that I put together, the proposal that I put together was like, let's solve that problem for you. Let's do this in a way that I can easily really serve those regional offices, yeah. like London to Eastern Europe, and proposed a virtual coaching program. And I do believe whilst I have no real evidence to support this, of course, and my own anecdotal experience of it, I believe that I probably put together the first major coaching program inside a law firm. Uh, oh my gosh, that was virtual. It was, it was a significant coaching program as well, but I, you know, the fact that it was virtual, and to the point where they were like, what do you mean we're never gonna meet you? Uh, we didn't have Zoom back then. Right. Uh, they didn't have Skype. I mean, we didn't even, we weren't even using Skype. We weren't using video. So this oh was God. breaking through their barriers and their mindset of, yeah. especially in Eastern Europe, I mean, like coaching, like that we would speak to somebody that we don't know about problems that we're having. Like, So that. what was this like over the phone? Yep. It was all phone coaching. Oh my God. Are you all kidding me? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Joe said Vanessa created Zoom. <laughs> I had. Gosh, I'd be doing well these days. I know, right? So, um, wow. So you did all of this for phone coaching. That is incredible. And they did it? And they did it. And it was a, um, so of course, I, you know, I'm sure there's a few people that are going to be like, okay, but there was that other side, Vanessa, of like, what were you going to charge? Like, because that's like that, hmm, yeah. you know, I answered that piece. And I think it's really important. Yes. Pitching the virtual was one thing and the flexibility. Yeah. Uh, obviously, please respect my time, but I get it that if you need to reschedule and we will just work that in. And we yeah. did. And it just right. worked really well. Wow. Yeah. Um, and again, that whole program expanded. Um, then when it came to the pricing, you know, my thing was like, what do I charge for this? <laughs> and um, I knew back then that, you know, kind of what I was what I was charging way back then for my early life coaching and weight loss sessions, there was no way that that price would work inside an organization. Right. Like these are people that charge a lot of money. I've got to show up as a professional. I've got to own my value because otherwise I'm not going to gain their respect. Right. And, and come in here really on kind of an, an even footing. So, you know, started to look into, you know, what that type of attorney might be charging for, you know, hourly rates as a little bit of a way to gauge, you know, what I thought, what, what I thought it should be. And, um, Basically, you know, I my life coaching in my early days, I think I was charging about $50 a session. Yeah. Um, and overnight, I it pretty much went to about the equivalent of $500 an hour. Good for you, Vanessa. You yeah. go. It was like a 10 high five. Yeah. Now, 
did I think that they were going to accept it or like was I scared about that or like but again I was kind of like well I've got room for negotiation right, <laughs> right. um and then when I mean I, I'll drop to 75 but they don't need to know that a bit of wiggle room there you know because I, really, like, I i really wanted the opportunity as well i really did want the opportunity yeah, I sure. and uh, i remember you know getting on the call you know whatever it was with the hr director and because my attorney had put together you know our contract i mean i they, they signed my contract by the way i didn't sign there wow. uh, i had probably invested about a good three thousand dollars worth just to get that contract together so i mean i was super committed wow and um when i remember getting the phone call and basically he was like so okay let me just understand this you're going to be available for this amount of hours per month for us um you want a retainer to make sure that you stay available because that's what attorneys do right yeah and you can do this all virtually with all of our offices. So that one we've got covered. And it's, you know, whatever the fee was at the time. And yeah. I go, yeah. He goes, okay, great. We'll sign it and get it back to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> How drunk did you get that night? <laughs> oh, no, it was, it was one of those. My husband always remembers the phone call because I just, and it was one of those ones where I was like, I hope I put the phone down properly. <laughs> Before I made the next call, because I was like shaking. It was one of those calls, you know, like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It happened. You know. Oh, wow. So, yeah. um, that was, so that's really, you know, like the background. Now, again, kind of like breaking through walls, because I think, you know, this is, I want to yeah. sort of the honesty going there as well as like what, what was kind of going on for me at that time. Yeah. That was, you know, my whole journey around that was about breaking through imposter syndrome yes really was massive for me and i would love to say that it was oh you know did a little cute six-week program and uh, <laughs> i solved that and put that little demon in its closet no wow. um, it went on a i really didn't know what imposter syndrome was but i just knew that i felt so uncomfortable for a very long time and it meant that I was, you know, that, that kind of like, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel smart enough. Not feeling smart enough was massive because here I was a woman that had been a stay at home mom that in my mind, I've never had a big career. Right. And, and I am working with very, very smart people that don't stand for BS. There's no fluff, right? It's like, we're going to be straight talking here and we want, you know, we want results. Thank you, Robert. You know, we want results. We want outcomes. We want, you know, there were terms like, you know, ROI and you, yeah. and I'm like, what the heck is ROI? <laughs> Let me look that up in my dictionary of yeah. terms. <laughs> oh my God. So this massive, massive learning curve. And Ken, again, I, I really do remember thinking for a long time, AI used to sit in my office because nobody could see, but like my office behind me had tons of books. I was almost like the doctor, you know, like you go into a doctor's office and they've yeah. lots of books that they're looking up, you know, weird yeah. diseases and medicines and things like that. Right. Um, I felt like I was that like that in my life, in my coaching practice, because I had all of these books that were like my reference books that I would double check myself in and yeah. like and learn a little something like they'd mentioned something and I was kind of, you know, double checking myself. Now, at the time I was interpreting that as, 
oh my gosh, I'm not good enough and I need all these books. You know, years later, I realized what a smart, you know, you were being smart, Vanessa. Yes. Uh, like you were like proactively not giving into this doubt. You were studying, you were, you know, building on your, you know, knowledge and everything as rapidly. I mean, the amount of books that I went through, um, I then also retrained as a kind of advanced level executive coach because as that took off, I, I was just into territory now that was leadership and board level. And it was like, okay, I need to, like this, the skills that I need are way deeper and way higher. I yeah. spent 18 months in an advanced executive coaching program, actually with other CEOs, ironically enough, um, wow. kind of retraining as coaches. And later went on to even train up coaches, you know, part of a part of a faculty program. And that whole imposter syndrome, it was it was really interesting how I and I love to share this story, like that thing that you fear the most is the thing that we have to be like really staring it in the eyes. And I just was so doubting my value. That word value, right? Yeah. Just kept coming up for me. And it was a massive trigger. Am I did you know? Am I giving enough value? And it would I would have all these doubts around it. Yeah. And um, one day I was meeting with a new potential client in the, inside the law firm, and he was a very outspoken gentleman. And he was I always remember he was very tall and incredibly intimidating. He was <laughs> he was definitely like six foot seven. I mean, he really was. He was wow. A, he was a big guy. So there was the height and everything of him that was just intimidating and this big, deep voice and everything. And of course, you know, that fear is going to kind of like really, you know, show up in a yeah. way. And um, we were talking about working together and he literally turned around and like looked me straight in the face and said, you know what, Vanessa, I just don't know. I just really don't know what value you could bring to the table here. Wow. He said it to me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Oh. Ouch. And it was, you know, literally straight in my face. And at that point, I mean, Did I, you cry? I didn't. This was my moment. I love this was it. Breakthrough moment because I, you know, I was working with coaches. I've always had my own coaches and team of people supporting me. And I was doing a lot of personal development. And of course, I've been working like we named Freddie. Yeah. Because I was doing personal development right, with other people. I got whole value thing. Had been and, that, and in that moment, you were like, get the hell out of here, Freddie. I totally was. I was like, Freddie, not, not now. Like, not now. <laughs> and I also knew that, like, the person that asks the questions leads. Right. You know, it's like, I'm the coach. Lead. Like, uh. don't intimidated take back control because this is a power play and I said you know what you're quite right I don't know if I can what value I can bring to you tell me what you want what would be most valuable for you oh that's inspired and he was just like you know wow and opening up and you know and actually became just like, you know, one of my, you know, no longer, you know, intimidated by him, an amazing client, but like, he was my gift. Like, thank you. You know, thank wow. you. Yeah. That was a huge breakthrough though. That's awesome. That's I love that. I love the fact that you can so vividly recount, like recall that moment too. That's 
So, so I, cause I would have said, you know, I was actually sitting here wondering the same thing about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember he was like six foot eight. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. But so, so you, um, wow. So that's where things really started taking off for you. So, yeah, I think that was my like real personal, you know, that was like yeah. the personal breakthrough. And it's like, I'm no longer the stay at home mom. Well, kind of actually, no, there's another part to this story because actually there was what, kind of like where the stay at home mom actually showed up again mm. later on. But it was, yeah, it was a massive, it was a massive breakthrough for me and I was really showing up differently. Um, then what kind of like what happened next in this story is um, long story short, you know, the contract fizzled out as like everything. I'd had a right, run right. of things. It was great. Um, you know, it was time it was time for change. In all honesty, I was also, I remember like I was kind of getting bored. I was ready for something new. I was sort of like, mm, do I really want to be doing this forever? I felt like all of a sudden I'd become this very well-paid coach consultant with one major client. And I really, really was at that point working with one major client. And I was like, mm, I don't know, like, you know, there was that niggling side and yeah. I couldn't get the clarity for myself and kind of really think about the direction I wanted to switch. Plus I started to tell myself this crazy story that, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I could ever replicate this type of success. Like there were so many things that came into play. This has been a good run. Was this my lucky break? And like, it's never going to be this good again. You know, there was all these kind of like weird stories that I was telling myself. Yeah. And um, contract came to an end and I was given, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to be super honest about this. I was given notice that that was happening. I was mm -hmm. right. It was, I was given notice. And plenty of plenty. how were you given notice? Oh, there were there were numer numerous conversations, and then formal oh. letter. And it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything that I'd done or not done. It was just like things were shifting. Yeah. They were looking at ma making major changes in the organization and, yeah. and doing things differently. But it was basically like you know it gives you know time to kind of tailor off what you've been doing and all the rest of it. So I had notice. I just decided to stick my head in the sand because I didn't know what to do. Yeah. So I, you know, carried on doing what I was doing, but there was that fear that was coming up around what am I supposed to do next? Da, 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 you know, like what does this yeah. look like? And and then now kind of the, you know, the shame and the embarrassment that yeah, everybody thought I was really successful, but it is coming to an end. And how do I actually even have conversations around that? Um and I really was ignoring it. I was avoiding it. I was just keeping busy. Right? Really, yeah. really strategy. Let's keep busy with everything else and avoid like the inevitable. Yeah. And so, you know, that all came to an end. Um, mm. All of a sudden it meant that, you know, pretty much, I'm, it must have been 85%, I mean, even 90% of my income was gone. Wow. No backup plan. Wow. Uh, you know, Vanessa's ostrich strategy, which I really wouldn't recommend. I don't recommend to anybody. <laughs> I used to say that was me back then. Yeah. Um, I learned an awful lot since. And um, and then all of a sudden, I get a call from my accountant in Switzerland, that and she basically says, ooh la la, Madame Sean. I'm like, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> and she's like, you're about to go bankrupt. Oh, no. She's like, have you like looked at the numbers? Have you like been, you know, keeping an eye on what's going on here? And like things have dried up, and, you know. And 
I was like, okay, what the heck does this even mean, right? And so when I talk about the head in the sand, it was kind of which has been like the next iteration of business and, and what I'm kind of so passionate about is the shame, right? The shame, the embarrassment, the guilt. Yeah. How could I have done this? How could I, you know, put my fan, you know, like start to take these kinds of risks? We had been having a really wonderful time, like when business was going great and traveling yeah. the world. And it's like, I had a lot of good things to show for it, and a lot of wonderful experiences. Yeah. What I didn't have at that point was money in my business bank account. Right, right. Um, and bills to pay. And I just was like, I have no idea, like, I just have no idea how I'm going to dig myself out of this. Remember, I don't have plan B. I haven't been thinking about those things. And again, that inner wisdom of that nudge that we have to listen to, that basically was saying to me, the one thing you don't know how to really do right now, Vanessa, is you don't know how to sell. You don't know how to sell yourself, your services. Like you kind of did get lucky, a lucky break and a great opportunity, right? Right, right. Connections and therefore the door was opened. And yeah, of course I had to do the work to get in there. But it's like, you don't know really how to kind of open up the doors and start the conversations. I was like, eh. Um, and so I decided at that point where, as I say, I was pretty much, you know, head, headed out of business and into some real financial mess. Yeah. I met a gentleman at a local networking event. I figured at least I needed to get out to a networking event and kind of meet people. I kind of got that bit going for me. Right. Met him. He was actually had recently moved from the States, um, moved to Switzerland to, yeah, right, Golden Goose, um, moved moved to Switzerland to pursue a dream of setting up his business um, there. And he was actually a Scot. So it was kind of like with this kind of connection, you know, like wow. that was the world I lived in right back then. Yeah. And he was a sales trainer. Um, and he was actually had been a very top Sandler sales uh, franchisee, I guess you call them over here. Yeah. And I met him and um, we got talking and long story short, I was like, I really do need some help. Like I'm kind of in trouble here. And, and what does this look like? And I hired him as my sales coach. Wow. And he taught me, I mean, so much about sales and the whole Sandler system and of course, right, I didn't, it was basically pretty much a $10,000 investment. I didn't have $10,000. I was like, I really need help. Uh, do you do things on a payment plan? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm honest, I promise, you know, I'll, like, I'm a, I am a woman of my word. I will follow mm. through on this and I will show up, but like, I don't have that kind of money and I need right. to learn how to, how to turn this around. And I took, you know, everything that he was teaching me. And it was this, again, was like a whole world that just opened up for me in the kind of sales realm. And we went to, you know, he said, right, you're going to get out networking. I'm going to teach you just how to even like make a very, very small pitch to kind of get leads. And you've got to start having conversations. Yeah. And went out to a local networking event, you know, kind of followed the model. Five minutes. I did a five-minute kind of, you know, how you do like an elevator almost. Yeah, right, right. Uh, five minutes that I practiced the heck out of. And I think I back then t- translated that into, I think the number was something like $18,000. And wow. multiple small programs, by the way. Yeah. 
Um, wow. It was something like 10 clients at 1,800. I, you know, again, I can yeah. yeah. get numbers and a mix of people. And I was like, wow, I'm onto something. And so the year that I was nearly going bankrupt by learning those sales skills, I basically replaced my income yeah. I'd lost with brand new clients. And I That's was like, awesome. I was like, there's something to this. <laughs> that is awesome. Something to this, yeah. Wow. And so, and this is all, you're still in Switzerland. So yeah, so now- you, you, Do you realize we've been on here an hour and we're not even to where you live now? <laughs> Wow. I just want to thank you because it's actually so much fun kind of like just recounting. Yeah, and, and I'm loving it. Going through all the steps of this. I'm loving this. Everybody watching is loving it too. So oh, I, do, I do hope so. So, so yeah, yeah, I'm still in Switzerland. I have yeah. rebuilt the business. And this is kind of where things get really start to get really freaking out. Now, I, you know, I'm doing a lot of work on myself. I've been in coaching for a long time. Like that's my world. I geek yeah. out personal development and self-awareness and all of those good things. I was also an emotional intelligence kind of expert and stress management and everything. And uh, that was kind of, that was really my gig. Thank you, Jill. I really, I, I hope it's interesting and helpful. Oh, look, look the people are loving this. Oh. Your, your story is so awesome. No, I really, again, and, it, and it's, it's a very true story. You know, it really is, uh -huh. you know, stay at home, stay at home wife to mom, to nearly bankrupt, to, you know, getting a successful business off the ground. That is so and, um, What was interesting, Ken, is at the point where I I was really turning things around and I was really realizing that I was, oh my gosh, there's something I'm doing here now that gets clients. I had friends that were now opening up businesses and they would say, hey, like you're doing some things and we see that, can you help me? I was giving free advice. Well, this is what I'm doing. And what if you did this? And what if you did, you know, what if you did that? And kind of just making suggestions all whilst I'm walking my Labrador across French countryside with friends, right? Not being paid for it. And they were doing those things. They were going, this works. I'm like working out their pricing strategies and their offers and their ideal clients and wow. conversations. Um, and so I, I started to stumble across this, my system, not realizing it at the time. And, you know, it was kind of unconsciously, let's say, testing it with people. But then all of a sudden, that voice that was like the this seed of desire that had been within me for a very long time about like, I really want to play a bigger game and I want an adventure and I'm actually bored. And that, that voice kept coming back and it was coming back stronger and stronger and stronger. And I knew, I really started to know that my future was not in Switzerland. Mm. I had no idea where my future was, um, but it was like this, like this isn't my lifetime place. I've been wow. here many, many years. I don't see myself growing old here. It, like kind of the business circles for me there as well, which is very conservative and, you know, not at all like in the States. Right, right. Um, and I had been, you know, going through training programs in the States, you know, some of my coaching programs, you know, I did quite a lot of stuff out of California. So my husband, remember, was American. So yeah. we traveled to the States and I was just starting to get this pull of, hmm, what would it be like to if live. I go to America? you know? Wow. And I was also at that time, you know, coaching people. I was still coaching executives. I was start, I was actually, I was, I was coaching executives and I was also starting to coach small business owners. I was really playing in both fields at the time. 
But you know, with the executives, I was coaching them to set up new businesses around the world. They were, it was like the whole thing was about be bold and play a bigger game and what does that look like in life? And I just had to look at myself to go, wow, my, my life is so predictable. You know, I know, yeah. I know what the path looks like. You know, it's, right. it feels very mapped out and very predictable and I can write the end of the story. And it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah. I'm just not entirely lit up and excited by it. Wow. Um, and so we'd come to the States on one of our trips. We'd come here, I was probably averaging about once a year, once every 18 months, was we were up in Sedona, actually, with my uh, kids. They were very young at the time, my husband. And uh, it was a very snowy night in Sedona. We're jet lagged. The kids have kind of gone to sleep. Robert and I have gone just for a, a quick glass of wine in the bar. And I was really not in a good place. I was very stressed. I was just completely kind of like discombobulated inside. Yeah. I, thought I wasn't happy. And this was my moment of kind of saying to him, um, if it weren't for you and Switzerland and your career, I know I wouldn't want to be here anymore or there because now I'm in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. In that conversation. And bearing in mind that this is the man who basically when we got married – said to me, Vanessa, you can ask me anything, but never, ever ask me to leave Switzerland because he had gone to Switzerland to pursue his dream and had left the States many, many years ago. And yeah. that, was, that was his dream. Right. Ooh. How am I going to get myself out of this one? Jeez. <laughs> oh, and and it, like, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking before, right? It wasn't like you know, I don't want to be married to you. It was, right. I want us to have a different life together. I just don't want to be in Switzerland. Yeah. And um, that was the, yeah, that was the start of the conversation. Now I'd been giving it some thought and by, you know, before I kind of launched that bomb, of course I did have a bit of a, you know, a plan, a bit of, you know, up my sleeve. That he didn't know about. That he didn't know about. And I kind of, I listen, we're like, this is the way that I've been thinking about this. Everybody, People had even been saying in Switzerland, you, and by the way, this wasn't kind, this was an insult. Um, you're becoming very North American, Vanessa. And That's I, an insult? That was. And I was kind of like, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't meant, it really wasn't meant as a wow. And it was kind of like, I was getting feedback of, you're getting a little bit too big or big, big too big for your boots or the boots. Yeah you're supposed to have around here yeah and um, so I had this plan um, that I presented to Robert and by the end of that evening he was on board it was very quick he was on board he, he just knew there was so much conviction around what I wanted to do that he was kind of like you know what I'm up for it I'm up for an adventure that makes sense and we decided that night that it was a three-year plan and, and, and now hold hold on. He was he was working at the UN. Yeah, he was. So he was still working at the UN. And the reason it was going to be a three year plan is he would be able to retire in three years. Oh, okay. So this was a well. You're going to retire. Um, my you know my career my business is kind of ramping up. Still better than being called a Californian. <laughs> I've no one's ever called me that one yet, but who knows? Yeah. Well, uh, Joe lives in California. So. Right, yeah. I love California. 
<laughs> I love it out there. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, it was going to be a three-year plan. It was going to make sense. Kids were going to be at a level where they would have been, you know, graduating from school or going on to new schools, and kind of all of that made sense until Vanessa gets back to Switzerland. And I'm thinking, okay, three years feels really long. I am burning. This desire in me now is burning so brightly and so loudly. How can I tame this for three years? Like, what am I going to do with myself? And uh, again, dog walking, right? I'm a big dog lover and out with my Labrador in the woods with another girlfriend who said to me, and I told her, I said, three years were out. Um, and she had, she was also starting to move out of Switzerland and had a place in London. And so she was inspiring me to kind of think outside the box. Yeah. She said, well, why three years, Vanessa? What if you go, what if you made it a year's plan? I was like, what do you mean years plan? <laughs> oh, that's insane. <laughs> why would you think that? Why would, why would I do this quicker? She said, well, why not a year? I was like, yeah, you're quite right. Why not a year? I, within 11 months, I had sold up everything, sold a house, moved out, got my kids out of school, oh. closed down a business, and arrived in Scottsdale, Arizona, in the middle of a dust storm. And they closed the airport after I landed. And that oh. is absolutely a true story. Oh my God. And where was your husband? So he um, got on board for the plan. Uh, we thought we we might be able to get him kind of working virtually, but we've got to remember, like the UN's just not there, just not up to date on those things. Yeah. And the plan was that he would stay behind and finish out his time. And we actually spent almost two years with him going between Switzerland and Scottsdale. Um, I at the time was waiting for my green card and things to come through. So there was a lot of time where there was no way I could leave the country. Um, my kids have dual nationality um, and wow. no way I can leave the country. And yeah, he let, he lived in Switzerland and oh my gosh. We managed to see each other once every six weeks. We, that was, that was our rhythm. Oh my gosh. Not, not for the faint of heart. And I can promise you, you got to have a, you got to have a really solid relationship to do that. So how long have you been in Scottsdale then? So in July, I will be coming up eight years. That, that was 2012. That was the summer of 2012. Now, did he at any point, um, has he at any point said, okay, I love you, but enough with the freaking adventures. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if he were here, he probably is here somewhere. Like he's probably, he's probably on Facebook watching this. We're I mean, staying in Scottsdale. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, he has been so amazing. I mean, like really supporting my passion and my energy. Um, you know, he knew that he'd had a massive career. And that's what he did say. He said, I had my massive career. You supported me in that. That's so And weird. kind of like it's your turn. Um, and you've got the hunger and the drive right now. And frankly, I don't. Like, it's like, that's, that's not my thing. Yeah. Um, now, I think, honestly, he's really said, I mean, he said, like, the best thing we ever did. Like, this was, uh, like, this was such a good idea. He loves our life here, the life that we've created, the business, the clients that we work with. He now helps me in the business. He does a lot of our tech all the behind scenes, all of my design stuff. Um, That's awesome. A lot of that. You probably, you, you, he would have been there, Ken, at the conference, you know, with yeah. Um, So, you know, he's he's one of our employees in, in the business. That's um, so awesome. And so, yeah, I mean, there, but, you know, I think he, he knows now. He just yeah. kind of knows. But honestly, he does. He, you know, he'll even say, just follow that voice. Because whenever I start saying, hmm, 
I've been thinking like this yeah. coming up. He's like, you know it, girl. <laughs> that is awesome. Like you, that's your thing. Just keep going. <laughs> my my wife and I work together too, and it's um, it definitely has its challenges once in a while. <laughs> it does, but together. So so um, I have and and my wife has it. I told you before the show uh, your book. Um, I'd love for you to share. Uh, have you written more than one book? No. I'm okay. a lazy writer, but there will be another one because that's my kind of passion project. But this, yeah, this is the this is the book. The million. Yeah, hold on, let me go. The million dollar question. So, um, we're we're a little bit over, but I want to talk about that. Like, talk about that book. A, when did it come out? And B, what what prompted you to write that? Yeah. So again, it's a free download right on my site, right at vanessashaw.com. Go there, grab it. Um, easy read over a latte and the million dollar question honestly I believe is probably the key to absolutely everything any change that we want to make in our lives and I was working with a gentleman when I first came to Scottsdale I met a guy called, by the name of Russ Perry he yeah. uh, some people might know him he runs a massive organization now called uh, Design Pickle a uh, big success story but when Russ and I first met, he was not a big success story. I mean, he was, uh, you know, an, a, in a mess mm. and attended one of my workshops. He's actually written the forward of this book. And it was the, the million dollar question, which you're going to have to read the book to find out what the question is. And I reveal it very early on was the question I was asking in a workshop when I was first here in the States that I was running. And he was like, that question just changed my life. Um, it was so uncomfortable to answer it, but I had to answer it very honestly. And for him, it got him onto a path of sobriety, uh, got his marriage back on track, uh, a, a business where he was like in deep, deep water that was closed down and basically, you know, launched D Design Pickle, which is pretty much a $10 million business right now. Frankly, it could be more than that. Um, Russ has become a dear friend of mine. He's mentored me as well. I mean, just amazing relationship. And I just realized wow. it really it's I think there's just one question that we could answer all the time to keep revealing the next level that we're supposed to go to. And that's what that book is about. Um, but then I also share that business model, right? The business model that has kind of come through me through real experience and what we help our clients with. I then kind of, you know, it's like how you can apply that to our business model and start to look at like the nine growth accelerators that everybody needs to be paying attention to in their business. So I, we're not, we're not telling you that I know the question, but we're not going to tell everybody you have to go down. It's a free download. It's a free download. And honestly, it's it, answering it honestly will change your life. I have so many people that actually um, reach out to me privately and they'll say, you have no idea that question, you know, and they'll, they'll tell me, you know, things have massively shifted. This freed me up. This changed my life. I mean, it's, it is really important. So, so, you know, uh, the, the theme of this show is, is helping people break through something that they may be stuck in at the moment. Um, and that book actually would, 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 and look at that. Cindy already downloaded it. Way to go. You go girl. Go away. Action taker. I know. Right. That's oh, awesome. Take action. Love them. So, so I do have a question though. I have two more questions before we end this. And, and, you know, one is, 
And and let me say, I'm gonna I'm I do this quite often. I'll preface it with the number one answer over hundreds of interviews has been fear. Just so you know, mm-hmm. so you have to do better than that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So so um, what? In your opinion, what do you think keeps people stuck in life? I'm going to expand on it. I don't think it's fear per se. I love that answer already. Two two sides to it. I think to be more granular on that, you know, fear is just such a big thing. And when we really... into it. I mean, I've really spoken to our clients a lot when they are holding themselves back. It's the fear of disappointment. It's that we can play safe and stay stuck when we basically kind of say, you know what, I'm not going to set myself big goals. I'm not going to declare my dreams because what if I fail? What if I don't achieve them? What if I feel, you know, fall short of them? What if I'm just not up for it? What if I discover something about myself? And I think the fear of disappointment is one of those emotions that we have all had really tough experiences with. Um, my scripting around actually disappointment growing up was all about kind of like, Vanessa, stop being so ambitious. Don't set your, you know, don't set the bar so high. You might be disappointed. And it was yeah. kind of protective mechanism and I think we've all had those experiences um, and we remember it so it's kind of like well we can play it safe right and keep ourselves you know under the radar yeah say can linked to that is then the fear of judgment uh, from mm. so I think yeah. the two go so closely hand in hand yeah but you know what will others say what will others think? Um, you know, when I was, hey, when I was pursuing my dream of coming to the States, husband staying behind, making the move with kids at that time, um, yeah. a, a lot of people that had a lot of opinions to share that I was insane. Why are you doing this, you know? Why do you think we care so much about what other people think? And 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 I, I preach it too, like, stop giving a crap. But But at the end of the day, I still care. Cool. I mean, if I didn't care, I would have came in with my hair all just out of bed or whatever. And, you know, like, I, obviously we care. Why? Why are we so incessant about what other people think? Well, I think a lot of it is training as well. Thank you, Joe. I think a lot <laughs> of it is, oh, this is so good, Freddie. He said, sign Freddie. <laughs> Freddie's here. Like, eh, he's back. He's back. Yeah. Um, A, it's so important, right? Love and connection is how we survive. So I think at a much, much deeper level, that judgment and that criticism threatens that for us. Um, And we've been taught to belong. And a lot of us have, you know, been kind of taught that we need approval from other people and we need to kind of know what other people think in order to move ahead. And most of us, I know this has been a massive part of my journey, we haven't been taught to go within, right, and look for the guidance inside here in our hearts and in our souls. We've been taught to look outside. 
Um, and I think that's where, you know, especially when we're in the early stages of making changes and, and we're in a much more vulnerable place and we're not certain for ourselves, that uncertainty often shows up in the external environment as criticism and judgment from other people. Um, wow. I almost like to see it's like, and it's like almost those voices that they're going to say, oh, Vanessa, are you really up to this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? So... You know, I've told this story a couple of times. I had a car, I had a, an employee walk in one day and say, hey, boss, there's um, there's some dude out in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. And I said, well, go out there and hey, this is a bigger dude telling me this. I said, go out there and tell him to get the hell out of here. And he said, well, I would, but he's blocking it with his tow truck. <laughs> I go, oh, God, he's from the bank. He yeah. was there to repo my car. And so... You know, I think that a lot of, and that was a horrible day, by the way, because oh. I could not talk him out of it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of people, especially right now, there are a lot of people that are living in um, so much uncertainty right now. Like, mm -hmm. there's just so much uncertainty. And, um, you know, for the person that's struggling to, buy food that that doesn't know you know maybe they've been a bartender or a server or they don't they can't they don't know how to make money online or they don't what do you what would you say to somebody if they called you right now and said i'm barely hanging on to life right now because i think there are a lot of people like that what yeah. would you say oh i know it's such a tough question right and uh, it really is i think you know Probably one thing I would honestly say is kind of like this is a place to like swallow pride and like who could you reach out to that might be able to help? Right? Because there are lots of people in the world that actually do want to help. And oftentimes we just don't want to ask for it, right? Again, from that fear of of judgment. Yep. And and like and and a lot of us have scriptings around, you know, stories that it's weak to ask for help. I should be able to figure this out for myself. Yes. I, I just go, that's such a load of, you know, rubbish as an English expression. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be my first place. And I would not be the first one to kind of go, oh, let's look at what you, you know, talents and all the rest of it. And like, let's turn this into an online business. I mean, yeah. many people aren't supposed to be doing that. Right. 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 And figuring out in a very practical way, how to get basic needs met of yeah. fundamental skills that people need help with. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I really answered that, you know, thoroughly. Again, it's not something I would pre pretend to have like some massive answer to, because I think, yeah. it, as you say, right now, it's really, there, there are some people that are in really difficult, dire situations. Yeah. And perhaps, as I say, there are some family members, neighbors, friends, you know, other people that would just just willingly go, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that you are struggling with this right now. Like, here's how I could help you. Because I think uh, I always come from the place that I do think people, most people have got good hearts, yes. intentions, and we would love to give a helping hand to a fellow neighbor and citizen. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. Vanessa Shaw, you are 
uh, you're just a wonderful person. I am I am so so grateful that you came on here today and shared such an exciting adventurous story. Right. <laughs> kind of I mean it really is. And and I I like I got to shake your husband's hand someday. Like what a trooper. Yeah, he's a he's a wonderful man. I say very very blessed. Next next month, twenty five years of of marriage together. Wow. that's that's awesome. Proud of, very proud of. That's so awesome. If you um, if you if uh, where's the best place for everybody to follow you? Where are you yeah. active on social media? Yeah, and, and actually getting more active these days as well. So for sure, there's download of the book at VanessaShaw.com um, and kind of then you'll be in our community there. I run a Facebook group for, you know, they're definitely for more established business owners. It's called the Million Dollar Group. <laughs> Interesting, million dollar question, million dollar group. But for those business owners that are already a little bit further ahead, we typically work with businesses once they're over their first kind of six figures, you yeah. know, up to, up to multi-million dollar marks. So yeah. that be a great resource where I'm doing free training as well and again if something's resonated for you today and you you know you just seem like an opportunity to perhaps brainstorm some ideas because you're stuck right now yeah. in business send me an email to vanessa at vanessashaw.com and I will personally respond I promise that that's you know that's my my email that I look at um, and I just, again, I love to help people get unstuck and get their breakthroughs as well. Cause I, I really believe that's, that's the way we make a difference in the world. I love it. I love it. You're, you're amazing. I, I, I thank you so much. I, oh, I, I really, I, I really appreciate you coming, coming on today and Friday morning I've had in ages. <laughs> is that good? It's been a lot of fun. Feel good. Well, thank you. Yeah, it thank you. Yeah. So don't hang up on me, but I am going to end the live stream. I want to say thank you to everyone who's commented and there's been some wonderful comments and a lot of people shared this out. So thank you all for that. And um, my wife is saying thank you as well. Everybody's saying thank you. So, so thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to come on here and we will see you all later. Thank you, Vanessa. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.